Amen. Back pain gone. Awesome. Praise Jesus. So we're just going to stay in that atmosphere. The Holy Spirit's not going to leave. He's going to be here. So just listen and receive and let the Holy Spirit just come and minister to us this evening. So I want to talk about taking risks with God tonight. So I just want to first, we're just going to play a video. Switch the lights off and just play that video for us. Okay, that looked like fun. Okay, so just by show of hands, who of you would do that? Okay, a little bit more than the morning service, but it's probably because lots, of, lots more younger people, but about half, half of us would do that. So when I was 15 years old, I, I don't know how my parents allowed me to do this, but I convinced them that I wanted to go skydiving. But the funny thing is, I first convinced them I wanted to go skydiving, but then I said, well, what's the use in just doing one tandem jump? I want to do the course and just be able to do it on my own. So I ended up doing about 260 jumps throughout my lifetime, but until about 19 years old. So from 15 years old to 19 years old, about 260 jumps, we did this kind of thing, the formation jumping, night jumps, um, beach jumps, everything, yeah, 100th jump, this is quite an interesting jump for those of you that know, but yeah, um, so I did this, but then at 19 years old, I stopped. And I thought back and I thought, but, but why did I stop? Why, why did I just have this sudden stop? And I, I thought, I, I remember that what happened was, right in the beginning of my skydiving career, I had my first, say, 10, 15 jumps was really scary. So it would be nervous shakes, going to the toilet every five minutes, before you jump onto the airplane and praying all the way up, even though I wasn't saved at that time. Just, you know you have to pray for something, but you just, everything's going like this. And you just realize that it's scary. But after about 10 or 15 jumps, it just became easier and easier and easier to the point where it was nothing. It was just quickly get your things on, get on the airplane, jump and laugh and take videos and do backflips and do whatever. It wasn't scary at all. And that's how it went on. Until my last year of jumping, I lost three friends skydiving. Three people just... And they, were, they weren't close friends, but they were people around me that jumped with me every day. And within a span of a year, they all died. And I just started with that fear again that I had in the beginning. That fear of every time I get into the airplane, it was, oh, this is just, this is hectic. I don't know if I should do this. I was shivering. I was praying up there again. And so it was really difficult to, to jump. And eventually I just stopped. And now being in the medical profession, I, I know most of these things. But, but what happens in our minds is we... 
we have these neural pathways and we build up these neural clusters in our brains depending on our, on our inputs into our lives, our emotions and things that we go through in life that, that make us, that, that build up these clusters in our brains that tell us when to, to do something and when not to do something. We, we're analyzing risks. So we're saying, okay, it's been a hundred jumps of nothing, so it's easy. But now people have died, so now it's not easy anymore. So now those neural clusters in our brains have formed differently to the point where now it's high risk again. So the, the jump hasn't changed, the skydiving hasn't changed, but my perception of it has changed because I'm analyzing the risk differently. So that's just how we are wired to do things. Our brains are wired to do it this way. So this is also how we um, it's actually there for, as, a, as a protective mechanism. So it's, if we want to walk across the road and there's a car coming, it's a certain distance away, and we have to make this quick risk analysis in our brains. Are we going to run across the road? Are we going to make it? Or should we wait for the car to come past? So in our minds, we can look, okay, the car is 10 meters away, we'll make it, so we sprint, and we can do that about 100 times probably, and then one, and it'll be fine, the risk will be low in our minds, but then one day you run across the road, you trip over your shoelaces, you fall, the guy stops, and there's hooter and everything, and the guy shouts at you, and this is this crazy event, and then the next time you want to cross the road, car comes, he's 10 meters away, he's coming at a certain speed, and you decide, oh, wait, maybe, maybe I should just wait for the car to come past. Because our brains have been over, it's like an overriding of our brains that we do because of our emotional inputs. It changes our perception of certain things in our lives. So we analyze everything in our lives like that. With business, so Let's say you want to start a business or you want to do something in the line of business. Let's say I want to start a hamburger shop in George and Luke also wants to start a hamburger shop in George. But Luke goes home and he talks to his friends and family and his friends and family tell him, Luke, that's a brilliant idea. Um, my uncle started a, a hamburger shop and he made millions. He's got 20 shops now. He's done so well. And he goes and speaks to another friend and they tell him, well, the economy is doing so well. I think you should just start that hamburger shop. Whereas I go to my friends and family and ask them, well, what do you think about this hamburger shop? And they say, oh, George economy is so bad. Things are struggling. And um, yeah, I know of this guy that started a hamburger shop. And I mean, within two months, he had to, he had to close the shop. So... I have a different input into my life about what a hamburger shop should, should function, and Luke has a different input into his life. Who do you think is going to start the hamburger shop? Probably Luke. Who do you th if we both start the shop, so for me it's high risk, for Luke it's low risk. If we both start the hamburger shop, who's going to succeed? No, we don't know. We don't know who's going to succeed. But... He took the low risk, I took the high risk. It's exactly the same thing. It's just I, had, I perceived it differently. So my emotional input decided whether I should start the shop or not. It's the same with, with relationship things. So if you're a single person and you want to pursue that goal, but 
you think, oh, you know, she's maybe too pretty for me, she's too sophisticated for me, and it's a high-risk thing. But you've been rejected two or three times. But then a different guy is looking at the same girl saying, you know what, I think she's, she's, she's quite pretty, and I think she's amazing, and I've, I haven't been rejected in my life by girls, so maybe I should just pursue her. Who's going who's gonna to pursue the girl? The one that hasn't been rejected. He hasn't had that bad input into his life. So everything we do in life is, is us doing a risk analysis of every situation, every problem. We're analyzing it in our brains, and we're making a decision accordingly. It's the same with the kingdom. If someone comes in and they need prayer, they have a runny nose, red eyes, um, they're coughing, and they have the flu, and they want prayer, that guy's standing on this side, and another person comes in, rolling in on a wheelchair, he's been paralyzed his whole life, he's had thousands of people praying for him before, and he wants prayer, which one is the high risk and which one is the low risk one to pray for? According to our emotional inputs and our emotional experiences, we'll go and pray for the one with the flu because even if you don't pray for him, he's probably going to get better anyway. So we analyze that risk accordingly. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because we can miss these things. We can miss what God really wants us to do. I want to tell you a few, just two facts about, about taking risks. If we take a risk, then it could succeed. If we don't take any risk, then it will never succeed. So Gary Player, the famous old golfer, he always had a thing where he said that when he stands above putting, putting the ball to the hole, he always says, tells himself that, he has to be past the hole, because if it stops short of the hole, then it had a 0% chance of going in. But if it goes past, at least it has some chance. Even if it misses wide, it still has some chance. So that's, that's a rule about, about taking risks. Is if we want something, we need to take the risk. The other thing is the higher the risk, the higher the reward, if it succeeds. So the, it doesn't always succeed. But if it succeeds and we took the high risk, yeah, that's amazing. It's with, like that in everything in life. So what does the Bible say about risk? So I want us to turn in our Bibles to Matthew 25, verse 14 to 28. Now, most people know this part. It's the parable of the talents. Now, think about risk-taking when I read this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to the other two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his, hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. 
His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, uh, he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you have delivered me to me two talents. Here I have made two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that, uh, that I reap where I have not sown. I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, uh, I should have received what was mine plus interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. So we've all been given a, a measure in life. We've all been given a talents. We've all been given abilities, levels of faith, abilities to do business, abilities to, to pursue relationship. We've been given those things. But what are we doing with it? Are we the one that's just hiding it in the sand? I mean, think about, think about just how many business ideas have you had in the last few months? Think about them. How many have you actually followed through on? Also, how many times have you seen someone that is sick or injured? How many times have you prayed for someone in the last few months? So that's different for everyone. But are we, are we that person that's putting it in the ground and waiting because we're too scared? Or are we the one that's Going and taking the risk. It's a challenging thing to do. So we want to see, we want to see things happen. I mean, we all want to see miracles happen. We all want to see people get healed, people getting up from wheelchairs, and people just, we want to see a revival happening. But we want to see all these big things, but when was the last time we prayed for someone? Even for the smallest thing. When was the last time we prayed for someone that has flu or a headache? It's a challenge. Something we need to get our, our minds around. So we, I, just, I just don't want to be that person that when I meet God one day, I don't want him to say, you wicked and slothful servant. <laughs> I want him to tell me, enter into the joy of your master. So I want you to read another, another scripture, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1 to 6. So again, think of taking risks while I read this. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour out rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, 
So you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at the evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. So here's another challenge. So we know we have to take risks. However, we have a different idea of what it means to take risk. We, we look at the reward. We firstly look at the problem, but then we also look at the reward. We need to take risks. We need to sow our seeds. But that, does that mean that the risk we take will always succeed? No, it doesn't. But what's the important part of taking the risk? It's to take the risk knowing that we're not looking at the problem. We're not looking at the issue or the risk that we need to take. We're looking at the maker of all things. I mean, it says there that we must trust in the Lord, in the maker of all things. It doesn't matter whether it succeeds. If you start the business and you know God told you to, to start the business, and six months later the business fails, you want people to come to you and say, wow, the business failed, I'm so sorry. But you, you want to be able to tell them, no, God told me to start that business. That's why 10 people got saved during the time I had that business. That's why so many people encountered the Lord. People walked into my hamburger business and they just fell down and got healed. That's what we want. Because it's not about the risk or what we're doing. It's about what God wants. So how do we know which risk to take and which not to take? It's a very difficult one because we need, we need some kind of discernment. We need to know because otherwise we, we use our feelings, we use our emotions, we use all our inputs. It's so different for every person. So different. But we need to get into unity. We need to know that we need to be able to get what God wants us to do. We need that discernment. So there's so many ways to do that, but God just, in the last few months, um, actually last few weeks, God just revealed so many things to me and with regards to, to risks. The one thing is that I was listen to other people that talk to God because those people have amazing inputs to give regarding certain decisions. So my wife... In our, in our uh, household, I'm the optimist. So I'm the one that always goes and looks for the business decisions. And I'm always the one that, that comes home and says, Nancy, I have this amazing idea. And then she will just gauge and see what's happening here. And she will see one thing. She'll see, am I confident enough to say that God told me that I must do this? Then she will just say, you have my blessing. But if I don't look like I'm confident about this business idea, then she's usually the, the one that will talk it through and say, but do you really think this is going to work because of this and this and this and this? And then I sort of like go, okay, I know I shouldn't be starting this business. So men, listen to your wives. It's important. Not always, I'm just joking. So, um, Walter is not here. Um, 
he always makes coffee back there, and he's an amazing guy. And, and at the men's camp, I asked, him, I asked him a very important question. He's a very good businessman. He has very good business sense. And I asked him, Walter, how do you get it right to make all these dis- business decisions and make the right decision all the time? And he said, well, his key thing that he does is he, go- he wakes up every morning and he has a, a, a big meeting with his three business partners. So I thought, who's that? And he said, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every morning. That's how he does business. How amazing is that? Do we do that? I mean, quiet time is one thing, but do we say, God, there's this business idea. Show me. It's important. Those things are so important. So, we cannot look at our circumstances and our inputs to make these decisions because we will take the, we'll take the high risks and we might fail. We take the low risks and we might fail because we're not listening to what God wants us to do. It might just be the wrong decision. So God gave me this very basic scripture, but it is so full of what God wants us to see when it comes to taking risks. So I want you to turn to Colossians 1, verse 3 to 14. So this is a, this is a letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. And he's describing, he started this letter just sort of with, with a blessing and saying how amazing these Colossians are. So he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it it also does among you, since the day you heard it, and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from that day we heard, uh, from that day we heard, we had not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may. So I'm going to stop it there. So important thing here is that he was talking about, Paul was talking about the Colossians, and he was explaining what they have. They are these amazing Christians. They have all these things. They have already faith in Christ Jesus, love for each other, hope of heaven. They've heard the gospel. The word is bearing fruit amongst them. They understand, they have the understanding of God's grace, and they had love in the Spirit. So they have everything that we think that we we realize as being great Christians. I mean, if you look at that, that's, if we have that, we have it made. However, Paul then says, he, he, he lists all those things, and then he says, since we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may. So in other words, there's something missing. There's something missing from that list that they did not have. And what could it possibly be? So then he says, 
asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So he's listed all of these things they have, and he said they are lacking this one thing. And this one thing is the, the infilling of the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding of the will of the Spirit. So think about that. The infilling, so we have to be filled with it. Afterwards, we have to be filled with it. So we already have the Holy Spirit. We already have all of that, but we need to be filled. We need to receive the wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge of the will of the Spirit. What does the Spirit want to do? So the knowledge of the Spirit is knowing who the Spirit is, knowing how powerful the Spirit is, knowing what He can do, knowing what miracles He can do, knowing that He knows all things and that He's with us and that He comforts us. That's the knowledge of the Spirit. The wisdom of the Spirit is knowing how to apply that knowledge in our lives. Knowing how to take those truths and those promises of who the Holy Spirit is and the fact that He's in us, and then applying it in our lives, in everything, in our business decisions, in our relationship decisions, in who do we have to pray for, when do we have to pray for people, when do we have to lay hands on people. And then the understanding is just, how he operates amongst us, just knowing, okay, yes, the Holy Spirit's here. Yes, let's do this. Let's go there. Let's do this. Let's go there. Just understanding his heart. But we need to be filled with that. We need to ask God to give us that. And why do we have to give, why does he have to give us that? It says there, to be able to walk in a manner pleasing to God. To be able to bear fruit in every good work, every business decision, everything we need to be able to, uh, that will allow us to bear fruit in those things. To get to know God better, we always ask, God, we want to get to know you better. How do we do it? We need to be filled with his knowledge, understanding, and wisdom of his will. To walk in God's power and might. Those are the miracles and the healings we want to see. And to give us endurance, patience, and joy. Because if we understand what He wants, if we understand His will, then we can apply that into just everything that we do. Everything. I mean, that's a key. That's something we, we have to receive. So just back to, back to taking risks. We know that we need to take risks. We know it. We know that we need to take risks to be able to get rewards. And we also know that there are wrong risks and right risks to take. But if we do them in our own emotions, with our own inputs, with our own life circumstances in our minds, then we will most likely miss the mark completely. But if we can do it according to His will, according to the understanding, the wisdom, and the knowledge of the will of the Holy Spirit, 
then we cannot miss it. And it's something we need to receive and we need to practice it. We need to practice it every single day. So, God, if we're in this place where we can receive this, then, then we'll know which way to drive home to go and pray for the, for the petrol guy filling up. Which shop to go and shop at so that you can bless the girl at the till with an extra hundred rand just to, just to make her day. Because God's showing us what His will is in that, in that situation. And we all want that. We all desire that. But we need to receive it. We need to ask for it and we need to receive it. So I want the band to come up quickly. And then I want us to switch off the lights and then I want all of us to stand up. So we know, we know we have to receive something and we know that we have to take risks. So I'm just going to do a little bit of an exercise with all of us. So be in that, put yourself in that space where, you, where you're just ready to receive. So I want all of us to close our eyes and imagine that you're in a grass field. There's just grass all around you. No mountains, nothing. It's just a grass field. There's a light breeze. The grass is going slightly from side to side. It's nice and warm outside. You're wearing comfortable clothes. The sky is blue. There are a few clouds there. And you're busy walking up this hill. It's not difficult to walk up the hill. You get to the top of this hill and you look to the other side of this hill and there's this massive tree. It's a massive tree. It's giving lots of shade. And you walk under this tree and you go and stand there. So now in that place, just imagine the shade and the covering as the covering of the Holy Spirit. Now I want us to put our hands up. We can't reach the leaves, it's too high. I want us to put our hands up. Now I want you to repeat after me. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are always the same. You are the same Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead. You are the same Holy Spirit that did all the miracles in the Bible. And you are here with me. Holy Spirit, I want this that's been talked about tonight. I want you to come and fill me with your knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of the will of your Spirit. And just receive it now. Just receive it. The Holy Spirit is just busy giving it to you. Just receive it. Now, 
Now, now what I want you to do is I want to look, I want you to look under that tree, right at the base of that tree. There's a, there's a blackboard. It's like a, like what, what you use in classrooms or kids draw on it. There's a blackboard there and it's empty at the moment. There's nothing written on it. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you on that board, what is the one thing that you need to take a risk on? So it could be a business thing. It could be a relationship thing. And it could be that you just want to receive the ability to pray for people and see miracles happen. See people get healed. See what it says there. It could be in writing. It could be a picture. It could have changed into an iPad screen by now and it's busy showing you YouTube videos, what God wants. Just see what God wants to show you. If God's showing you something on that board, then I want you to just reach out your left hand and just grab that thing off that board. You're ripping it off the board. And now you're lifting it up to Jesus. You're lifting it up into the tree, the covering. And now just say, Lord, this is yours. I give it to you. I want to be faithful with it.